So today, I want you to turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in this passage today. And uh, we're starting a new sermon series today. And I've entitled this sermon series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Now, for those of you who are a little bit older, like I am, there's kind of a neat little idea that we just want to start with today, if you could. Just to bring back some memories down memory lane, if you would. For those of you who are old, this brings back your childhood. For those of you who are young, it's like, dude, get on with the sermon. What's going on here? So we're going to do that. But today we're going to talk about, won't you be my neighbor? Now listen, where this comes from, and I told you to turn in your passage there, uh, in that passage. We'll be there in, in, in uh, that passage in just a few moments. But before we get there, I want to share with you a passage that I think you're familiar with. It's out of Matthew chapter 22, and it begins in verse 34. It says these words, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall, not, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, you'll notice in that passage I just read to you, there were two words in the first part of that passage, and it said, testing him. In other words, the lawyer had a picture, an idea that he was testing Jesus. He was trying to catch Jesus. He was trying to trip Jesus. He was trying to get Jesus to mess up. Because obviously the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had already been silenced. They already had seen Jesus do incredible things. And they wanted to stop him from continuing doing what he was doing. And so they asked him the question, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's where it comes into a little bit of a confusion. Here's where it comes into a little bit of a question here when we come to this idea of this lawyer's challenge as it relates to Christ's uh, uh, story and Christ's uh, message from that today is the idea of loving our neighbor. What did Jesus mean? What was the essence of Christ's words? What is it that he was trying to get across? When he talked about the word neighbor, when he used that word neighbor, who was he talking about? What was the, the, the reference that he was trying to get people to understand? And when you look in the, uh, the passage here, and when you talk about what did Jesus mean by that word neighbor, that, that word neighbor is the Greek word plasion, which literally means someone close by, someone neighboring, someone just around the corner. And so the idea here that, that we could take away from this passage is the idea that Jesus was saying, listen, you should love the people right next door. You should love the people who are close by. Love the people who look like you. Love the people that you hang out with. Love the people that you go to ball games with or have cookouts with. Love the people who are right next to where you are. Now, is that what Jesus meant? Is that the idea of what he was trying to convey? Is that the picture that Jesus wanted all of us to, to live our lives by, the, the, the creed that he wanted us to grab a hold of going forward was the idea that in life, man, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then listen, what you also have to do, love the people who are hanging out like right next door, like the people who are close. Like, so I'm here, I'm on the front row, my, my family's over here, I love them, they know that, they get that. And then over here, I've got my friends, man, I love them. They're here almost every week, and, and then I, I know them, and I see their smiles, and they're encouraging. And right back here, I see David and Benji, and they're my buddies over here, I love them so much, they're awesome. 
Man, we get to worship together every week. It's awesome. They're my buddies and they're my friends. Did Jesus simply mean that my responsibility in life is to love the people who are right next door? Now, you know what I'm asking this question, that it's somewhat of a, a loaded question, because you know as well as I do, that's not what Jesus was trying to say. Now, you've got to understand, when you look at this passage, when you look at what Jesus was saying, he actually was quoting a, a Levitical passage, going all the way back to the book of Leviticus in chapter 19 of Leviticus. Let me read this to you. It says it here. In verses 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them. So God was speaking to Moses. He was giving the children of Israel all the rules. If you've ever spent time reading the book of Leviticus, he gave them a lot of rules, didn't he? Aren't you glad you don't have to live under those rules anymore? Aren't you glad when you get home from uh, church today, you don't have to go and like slit the throat of a goat? Uh, you know, go find the perfect cow that's never been touched, it's never blem no blemishes there, and, you know, go slice its throat and, and pour out the blood over here, and then take all the entrails and dump them over here, and then take it and throw it up on the, you know, on the, 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 the altar and burn it over here, and then you can't even eat it. I mean, you know, all these kinds of things. Aren't you glad we don't live by those rules anymore? Well, so the book of Leviticus was a book of rules that God gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel, and it says right up front here, Speak to the congregation. So this is a message for them. This was not a message for the world. It was not a message for people outside of the congregation of Israel. It was not a message for people outside. Uh, it, was, it was not a message for the Gentiles, which most of us in this room, if not all of us, are. No, this was a message for the children of Israel. Now, keep going down. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And here's what he said to the congregation of the, the children of Israel. He said this, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. Listen to this. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So when Jesus quoted this statement, quoted this Levitical passage from Leviticus chapter 19, all of those who were hearing Jesus speak, they probably in their mind thought, well, yes, he's telling me that I've got to love my Jewish neighbor. That he, we have to love the people who are like us. That we have to love the people who are, look like us and act like us and talk like us and believe like us and worship like us and walk like us and eat like us. We have to love those people. And so they had this reference that went back literally thousands of years that goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19 when Moses was hearing from God. And so that's what must have been going through their minds. But that's not at all what Jesus was trying to say. That's not at all the message that Jesus wanted to convey. In fact, let's go back to another conversation that Jesus had here. Because Jesus was not being exclusive here. He was not taking this message of hope that, that God wants to give to all of mankind and wrapping it up and giving it to one special group of people. Look what it says now in Luke chapter 10, which I told you to turn to a moment ago in verse 25. It says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and, here's those words again, tested him, tested Jesus, saying... Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he, the lawyer, answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Remember now, Jesus said, What's written in the what? The law. What was the law? 
Leviticus, going all the way back to what God gave to Moses for the children, the congregation of the children of Israel. And so that lawyer, he knew the law. He knew it well. He knew exactly what it was that was supposed to be said. And so he said, yeah, you, the law says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Now, let's keep reading. And he, Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But now the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and here is the most important little phrase in this entire passage. He said this question, said these words, Who is my neighbor? Man, I'm so glad that he asked that question. Because up to that point, like all the people around, like they had this idea that, 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 that Jesus was saying to them, Man, love the people next door. Love the people sitting right here next to you. The people that look like you, the people that act like you, the people that talk like you, people that you worship with, you love them. They all thought that is what Jesus wanted to share. They all thought that's what Jesus wanted them to hear, how he wanted them to live. But then that lawyer, and listen, it's not often you hear like good things about lawyers, is it? I mean, lawyers, lots of jokes about lawyers. We could all tell jokes about lawyers. And so this one, though, is a good statement about a lawyer because you know what the lawyer said? But Jesus, who's my neighbor? Like, like, who is it that you want me to love like myself? And then Jesus had the opportunity here to give a great statement, to share a great story, a great parable that now should speak to every single one of us. Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, a certain man was, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Pause right there. Went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, you know what from Jerusalem to Jericho means, right? That means the person he's talking about, they were Jewish. Okay, they were of the children of Israel. They're in that, that, that group that the Levitical law was given to. Okay, so here's what it says. He went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest, if you've got a pen, you ought to unline, underline the word certain priest, because what does that tell us? He was a leader in the children of Israel, a leader in that special group. It says the certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, the person lying on the side of the road, half dead, he passed by on the other side. Now, we have all know this story, the story of the Good Samaritan. The reason he passed by on the other side is because he didn't want to get unclean. He didn't want to have to touch a person who potentially could be dead, because then going back to the Mosaic Law, going back to the book of Leviticus. If he did, man, there's all kinds of rules. He had to go hang out outside the gate for a while. He couldn't go in and, and be with the others. He couldn't partake in the meals. He couldn't partake in the sacrifices. It would cost him time. It would, it would be a sacrifice for him to actually be, be in a situation where he might be made unclean. And so the certain priest passed on by. Now it keeps on going in this passage. It says, likewise, verse 32... A Levite, and so that's a special person, kind of a person with special status there in the children of Israel in the congregation. When he arrived at that same place, he came and he looked. So he got a little closer than the priest, right? So he came over and just kind of glanced down into the gutter at this person who was lying by the side of the road. He arrived at the place, he came and he looked, and he passed by uh, on the other side. But then look what it says in verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, now circle the word Samaritan, because Samaritan is kind of, you can interchangeably use words here in, in, in the Bible. The way that the people thought of Samaritans, you can either use the word Samaritan or you can use the word loser. 
You can use the word that people, you know, they didn't want to be around them. They were the kind of people no one associated with. The kind of people that you didn't want around you ever because they were not the right kind of people, right? So a certain Samaritan then, as he journeyed, he came where he, the man, was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Underline that. He had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took uh, out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And then the lawyer said, it was he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now listen, you know this passage. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the story. You know the story. It's a good Samaritan. If you've been in church more than like four minutes, you've heard that story at some point in your life, right? I mean, the good Samaritan is one of the great stories, the great parables that Jesus gave to us. We all know the story, right? Priest, bad right? Levite, bad. Samaritan, they thought he was bad, but he was the good guy in the story. He was Superman. He's the one that pulled back the robe and the big S was on his shirt, right? Uh, He was super Samaritan is what this was, right? And so we know the story, but the story that's important for us to understand when we begin to ask ourselves the question, who is my neighbor? When we begin to get the picture of what Jesus was trying to convey is he was trying to convey this idea, Your neighbor is anyone who needs compassion. Your neighbor is anyone who needs help. Your neighbor is anyone who is hurting. Your neighbor is anyone, regardless of what they look like, they are the people that you are required by God, according to the great commandment that Jesus gave in Matthew 22, to love them, to show them that kind of neighborly love. The kind of love that you even have for yourself. Like, I don't know about you, but I like me. Do you like you? Let's be honest. I I like me. I think I'm a pretty good guy. Uh, I I mean, I enjoy hanging out with me. I enjoy spending time with me. I I probably, I I mean, I just have a really good time when I'm around. I do. I'm just being honest with you. I I really like me. And I think probably if you go around the room that all of you would say the same thing. Like, Like, yeah, we like ourselves, right? We're good people right? I can't think of anything bad to say about myself. (laughs) Nothing. She's having a good time over here. Are you okay? Because I want to be like the Samaritan. Can I help you? Are you okay? I mean, so so we understand, like, like, I like me. And so Jesus said, listen, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, when you are hurt, what do you want to do? You want to try to take care of yourself, right? When you get a cut, what do you do? You go get a Band-Aid. When you break a bone, what do you do? You go to the doctor. When you, when you have a flu, man, you go get medicine. When you are hurting, you try to do something that will alleviate that pain, will alleviate that, that suffering, that, that problem that you're going through. And so Jesus was saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so the picture he was giving here was the idea of whatever it takes. In fact, in this passage, the very clear statement of what we see the Samaritan did that Jesus gave the story. The Samaritan, he came by, he looked, and he helped. He picked that person up and put him on his own animal. In other words, he was willing to give his stuff to be able to provide for and to help that person. 
He put the person on his own animal. He took him to uh, the inn. He, he provided for him, cared for them. He gave his money to provide for him and to care for him. And anything else that was needed, he would come back later and follow up. So it wasn't a drive-by help. It was a fully engaged ministry to the person that God had placed in his path. And man, what, what kind of lesson is that for all of us today? What kind of picture is it that Jesus wanted us to walk away from that story about the story about the Good Samaritan? What did he want us to walk away with? Here's the idea that he wanted us to walk away with. You need to love everybody the way that God loves them. That you need to love others the way that Christ loves them. Now, you know how much Christ loves everybody, right? He loves them so much he died for them. Because the Bible tells us, Second Peter, we were there a few months ago, like he's not willing that any should perish, right? So, so he has this incredible love. So I just want to give you quick thoughts here of who is my neighbor. As we begin this journey over the next couple of weeks of talking through who our neighbor is and how we're to love our neighbor and how we're to, to show that, how we're to, to be the kind of people that will impact our community, our mission statement, you know, is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and who love people. You know that's our mission statement change our world. What does that mean? We have to show love to our community if we're going to change our community. You will never change someone's life by hating them. You will never minister to someone when you hate them. You will never minister to them when you talk about them. You will never be able to make a difference in their life according to the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ when you are criticizing them, right? And so, as we walk through this idea of how we're going to love our neighbor, who is our neighbor? I'll just give you six quick thoughts. I know some of you are saying, six quick thoughts? Come on, seriously? Man, they are really quick thoughts. For the first time in my life, these are actually quick thoughts. So who is my neighbor? Well, number one, it's easy. People close by. People close by. People that are right around the corner. People who do live next door. People who are, you know, that you work with, that you go to school with. Who is my neighbor? People close by. Number two, people far away. We've been talking about that this morning. Our neighbors are the people in the Bahamas. They are our neighbors. We are required by God, commanded of God, to love them and to care for them and to minister to them. And we and many other groups around this nation today and around the world today, we are all like that good Samaritan because today we are showing up to minister to people that we have never met before. We don't know their names. We don't know anything about them. But we saw them lying in the gutter and they needed help. And we were not like the holier-than-thou priests and the Levites who walked by and looked the other way. We showed up and ministered. Why? Because that's what Jesus told us to do. So our neighbor, who is our neighbor? People close and people far away. Third point, who is our neighbor? People like us. That means people who look like you, who act like you, who talk like you, people who go to the same school as you, people who live in the same neighborhood as you, people that, 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 that kind of have the same likes and dislikes that you do, people that you kind of like hanging out with. People you like doing things with. People like us. Number four, people who are not like us. People who are radically different than you are. People who don't like the things that you do. People who don't like, wait for it, the candidates that you like. There it is. Yeah, now that'll, that'll preach, brother, right there. That's, that's, uh... People who are like you, but people who are not like you. People who disagree with what you believe in. 
People who don't think that Republican or Democrat or Independent, that that's the only way to go. People who are in whatever situation that they're in and whatever belief system that they're in, Jesus said, love them, they are your neighbor. We have a duty and a responsibility to minister to, to love, to reach out to people like us, but also to people not like us. Number five, we have a responsibility of recognizing who is my neighbor, people we like. We have a responsibility of recognizing that our neighbor is people we like. I look down here, Jim Hammerly. I was picking on his wife a minute ago, but I like Jim Hammerly. He's my neighbor. I love him. He's a buddy. Man, I'd do anything in the world for him. Man, I look back here, I see Kevin and Pam Foster. I love them. They're awesome. Man, I'd do anything in the world for them. I like them. I look over here, and the Lewises, man, I love you guys, and I would do anything in the world for them. I could go around this room. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. You're incredible. And I'll do whatever I can for you guys. I love you guys, right? So people we like, Jesus said, they're your neighbor. Number six, people we don't like. I'm not going to ask you for a list of names, but is there anybody you don't like? There are some people I don't like. I've got to be honest with you. I'm, you know, I'm just being honest, being open here. Like, I love everybody, you know. I love them, not like them so much, you know. Jesus told us we didn't have to like everybody. He said you got to love them, right? And so there are some people in this world that I really don't like that much just because of situations and whatever. I mean, there's, there's some people, not many, just a few, you know, and it's not like a big deal, man, but there, there are people, there are probably some people you don't like. In fact, I want you to take out a pen and a paper right now, and I want you to write down all the names, and I'm going to collect them in a minute. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. There are probably people in this world that you do not like. Here's what Jesus said. They are your neighbor, and you need to love them as yourself. That you need to love them no matter whether you like them or not. No matter what they have done to you, you have to love them. No matter how they have hurt you, you have to love them. Now, that does not mean that if they've done something to hurt you physically or emotionally, that you have to continue to submit to that and allow them to continue to hurt you. But it does mean that you have to have a genuine, godly love for them because Jesus commanded it. It is a great commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. We have a duty and a responsibility to love them anyway. Jesus ended this story and he said this, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What is it we have to do? We have to be like that good Samaritan. When we're walking down the road and we're busy and we've got 50 million things going on and we've got so much stuff on our to-do list and we don't have time to even think, when we are rushing from place to place, when we've got trial after trial and challenge after challenge and situation after situation, that when we walk in, we're walking down the street, when we're driving down the road, and then there, there is someone who is lying in the gutter, you know, either, you know, actually or, you know, kind of figuratively, and you're driving by them. Jesus said, go and do likewise. What does that mean? Care actually genuinely care about what that person's going through. Take the time to wrap your arm around them and minister to them and encourage them. Help them when you can. Show up and bring food and medicine and supplies, water, when they've lost everything. Show up when they're in the hospital and they're hurting and the doctor said there's no hope and they feel all alone. And you pray with them. When a family situation has fallen apart 
that rather than being awkward and feeling like, man, I don't know what to say, man, you show up and you just say, you know what, I don't know what to say other than this. I love you and I'm praying for you. When a young girl finds herself in a situation where she's pregnant and she feels like everyone has walked out on her and, and there's no hope and, and the world says abortion is the only option, you're there to say, man, I listen, I love you. And God loves you and God loves that child. You know, we're going to make it through and I'll be by your side every step of the way. Amen. When the world walks out, you're the one that walks in. Jesus said, go and do likewise. What is it that he wants us to do? Well, he said it in that passage in Luke chapter 10. Show mercy. Have compassion. Today we live in a world where people are hurting. We live in our neighborhoods where people are hurting. We attend a church where people are hurting. I would dare say that wherever you're seated in this room today, if you were able to stretch out like a, a measuring tape, maybe, I don't know, 30 feet from where you're sitting, you're probably going to hit someone who's hurting. There's probably some people who are in the proverbial gutter, so to speak, like that man who went from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was robbed and beaten and left half dead. There's probably some people sitting within 30 feet of where you're sitting right now who are hurting. Are you showing compassion? Are you showing mercy? Do you recognize them as the one that Jesus said, love them as you love yourself? And if not, it's easy. It's awesome. It's great. It's incredible. Jesus doesn't condemn us. Here's what he just simply says. Just change it. <laughs> change your outlook. Change the way you do things. Turn things around. And love. Who's your neighbor? This sermon can be summed up in one word. Some of you are saying, well, why didn't you? Okay. <laughs> one word. Who's your neighbor? Everyone. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you. For the challenge that you give to us when we need it, because we all need to be corrected. We're so many times that we're like that Levite, so many times that we're like that priest when we just drive by, too busy, too much going on, too many things happening to care. God, I pray that you would convict us of our busyness. God, that you would convict us of our drive-by mentality. And God, that you would birth in our hearts a passion, a desire, a yearning, God, to care about those around us and those far from us, to care for those who look like us and those who don't, to care for those that we like and to care for those that we don't really like so much. God, I pray, help us to have the heart that Jesus had, that he loved everyone. God, I pray that's who we would be. And I pray that's what we would do. Because we have the ultimate example and the picture of love and the, the love that you showed when Jesus came and he died for our sins. When we were far from him, when we were not like him, when we had no reason for him to like us at all because of our sin, Jesus said, I will die for them anyway, to pay that price for them anyway. And that he rose again three days later. God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. So, Lord, I pray right now, if there's somebody in this room that's never experienced that kind of love, 
Lord, let this be the day. Let this be the moment. With our hearts bowed and with our eyes closed, the moment we're going to stand, we're going to sing. Invitation is going to happen. Our altar is going to be open. Our team's going to be here. And if you're here and, and maybe you're con- convicted today because maybe, maybe you have not been loving others as yourself. Maybe you need to come down here, just kneel here and just say, God, I'm sorry. Because listen, if you haven't loved others as yourself, let me just tell you what that is. Just again, it's just, it's sin. Because anything that Jesus commands us to do and we don't do it, it's sin. And so maybe today you need to come and just kneel here and just call 1 John 1, 9 into action. God, I am sorry for what I've done. Maybe today that's what you need to do. Maybe you want to come today and meet Jesus. Maybe you want to come today and experience the, the love that Jesus showed to you anyway. And so our team is here. We'd love to talk with you about the gospel, that he died and that he rose again for you. And by believing in him, period, turning away, around from the world and running to him, that today you can be saved. What an amazing picture that is. Maybe you want to join our church, come for baptism, leave a prayer request. Whatever God is speaking to you today, I just encourage you right now, as we stand and as we sing together, to step out and to do what God is telling you to do. Let's stand together and let's sing. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves us.